0: Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, J.J. Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Let's get down to business and talk some heat ball. Kenneth, this is a pretty good week of Miami Heat basketball. So I ask you, how are you doing?
1: Oh, you already know. I am getting amazing, J.J.
0: Yeah. After the previous two weeks were not so kind to us, Heat fans, this last week has proven to be very good four straight games four straight wins excuse me coming off four straight losses so even even the ship there we're still in the first place in the Eastern Conference after briefly falling down to the second seed we currently hold a two game cushion over coming the Boston coming back to the Celtics. level
1: of those coming back to the level of those puny minuscule okay I'm joking but yeah man we started <laughs> to play down a bit but like you had like you've emphasized over the opening here, um, it's good to see them bounce back like they did. And and of course we're gonna get into it, but the quality of opponents, chef's kiss.
0: Mm-hmm. Outside of Monday, of course. Yeah, but hey, the the Kings are still an NBA team. Oh, we absolutely. can see that, right?
1: Absolutely. But every and, you, and and this is what we have to say: no team is gonna be a walkover in the NBA because everybody's professionals. Are there gonna be certain games that you know to the Angels and Of course. But, I mean, even a win over the Kings, and that's something that I've highlighted the whole time. It's not like we beat the Kings by five points. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. We beat the shit If we we had beat them by five points, then, I mean, tensions were high on Heat Twitter. Right. That would have, maybe not, it wouldn't have been as bad if we had lost to them. Right, but, but
1: it still wouldn't have been good, quote fingers.
0: Yeah. But that did not happen. In fact, what happened was much better. Four straight wins, and we're going to talk about the quality of the opponents. We already covered the Kings game since that was the last time we recorded. We're coming to you live on April 4th, 2022. The regular season is basically coming to an end this weekend for the Miami Heat. It's been a great regular season, and we we will reserve the thoughts on the regular season as a whole for that episode. But now let's break down what happened in the previous week of heat basketball. As we stated, the quality of opponents was really good in this coming in this stretch, and none other than the Boston Celtics started off started us off this week. Well, this week of coverage for us. The Heat absolutely, won
1: Absolutely. We get it, we get it, we get it. We had the Kings <laughs> and we covered them. What he's trying to say is, after the Kings on Monday, the Boston Celtics was the game in the middle of the week that occurred since the last time we covered it. I know, J.J., I'm here to support you, brother. That's all.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Kenneth. The Miami Heat prevailed on a national TV game, 106-98. to a, a really fun game. That was much closer than the final score indicates. The, the Heat basically storm took the fourth quarter by storm. They outscored the Boston Celtics by 12 in that quarter, 27-15. to They basically... Held the Celtics to uh, two points in the final few minutes. Max Struz made key defensive plays. Took a charge in Jason Tatum. Correction.
1: Big Max. I'm sorry. Big Max. Big Max.
0: I'm sorry. We're talking to the prisoner, of the click-clack club here. Ever since Max was inserted to the starting lineup, there have been positive developments. And there was a really positive development in the last game against the Raptors. We're going to hold that one off. Let's talk about the Celtics game. It was a pretty back and forth game. All it was outstanding, outstanding basketball played by both sides. I, really.
1: I, I've categorized it in You know, I, I categorize it, characterize it, whatever. I've called it potentially one of the best games of the NBA season across the entire league. Potentially, maybe it's, def- it's definitely one of the top six or seven, without a doubt.
0: Maybe. Jimmy Butler led us in scoring 24 points. And he also added 3 rebounds and 2 assists. Not much in the all-around department. Bam Adebayo played probably his most complete all-around game of the season. Almost had a triple-double. 17 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He kind of served as our facilitator all game long. Aside from Kyle Lowry setting up the other guys. And they defended... Tatum as well as he could since the guy has been on a on a hot streak lately. Absolutely. He's he still shot over fifty percent, but he didn't make a three pointer, and they angered him to the point where he was forcing it late into the, in the game,
1: and that's Absolutely. when they got
0: a, a bet into their heads. And he was complaining to the refs all game long, like looking at them like yeah one all the time, like
1: everybody though they they got into everybody's heads. Man, JB didn't do anything. Late in that game, of course, Marcus Smart got ejected because all game long, guys had been pulling Marcus Smart on Marcus Smart, even to the point where Marcus Smart had to laugh it up with P.J. Tucker and Kyle Laurie because he's like, oh my God, you guys are pulling a me on me. Like, I got to give you kudos for that. Um, I think the thing that you mentioned about Bam, and before we get too far away, it's interesting because if you think back to the last Boston game, the game that I affectionately, non-affectionately referred to as the Boston Massacre, um, where they obliterated us in TD Garden, Bam took the same amount of shots as Caleb Martin. I think that was eleven, which was third on the team. And you know, after that, he literally had that um, that he literally had that conversation um, that has been documented by assistant coach um, Malik Allen. I, you know what I mean? Um, and basically, at that point you saw a difference in bam the tear that bam has been on he's been actively clearly and aggressively playing better since that game and again it hasn't looked the same every game but what you can say from game to game is that mentality has been different that aggressive bam that we asked for um since the last boston contest that's the one you've seen And of course that also coincides with him having a couple of weeks back from the thumb injury at that point but i would agree with you this last boston game was like you know The 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 ultimate addition of, you know, what you want to see from an aggressive BAM, all three aspects of the game, because as his aggressiveness to get to his own offense and to hit the boards hard have gone up. I don't know if a lot of people have noticed or they just aren't talking about it. His playmaking has gone down, and that's totally fine with me because, you know, he's so skilled, so in-depth, and so intelligent at the game that if he needs to make those plays, he'll do it, which he did in the Boston game, ironically enough. Didn't know I was making my own point. Love it when it comes together, though. Um, but you saw his assist numbers go down, and if that means you're taking more shots, you're trying to put the ball in the cup as opposed to one of your guys' hands to get it in the cup, then I can't be mad at that either, especially when we ask for aggression. But I just want to add that little tidbit in. Before we got too
0: yeah. far away, uh, Max Truce. Let's talk about him. I know you're eager to talk about him.
1: Come on, man. fourteen. Come on. now.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. I'm gonna leave you the floor. Just fourteen points, four from nine from deep. But I think the the his major impact came on the defensive end, curiously enough. And at the end of the game, took a charge, stayed up, stayed in front of of Tatum multiple times. They tried to attack him. Throughout the game, sometimes it worked because Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, they're just that good. But overall, I think he held up as well as he could as he could have.
1: Absolutely. I agree. I mean, what you realize about Max is, for athletic as he is, I would say his weakest athletic trait is his side-to-side feet movement laterally. <clears throat> um, and that's where he finds himself caught up sometimes. So what he has to learn to do is almost premeditate, but not premeditate to the point of cheating which way he's going to go so he can give himself that half-click or that half-second advance on making the movement so he can just help get himself in proper position. But, I mean, in combination with the defense that he played late in that game and with the defense that he's shown, quite frankly, since being inserted into the starting lineup for most of the time, of course. He still has those lapses because he isn't an elite defender, naturally, but he can learn to be a very good one, especially in this Miami Heat system um as you know you know because i've said it because you know i'm the president of the big max click Clacks fan club max's thing has never been on ball defense max's biggest weakness is off ball defense you know this is a quote from me and you can do the twitter quote me thing where they put which me is black like, and white
0: which well, is ironic because the guy he replaced on the story lineup is like kind of in reverse
1: right his exactly. weakness is
0: on the ball defense but it He's a really good team defender. His
1: off-ball team defending is exquisite. Um, But that's it. If you want to basket on Max, cut on him. Because you're going to be open. Because he's not going to see you. But if you're talking on ball straight ahead, I can see you coming. Max can be a very good defender. And we saw that against Boston. Does that mean you want to put him on Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and say, go lock them down? No, you can't do that. And even for your most elite defenders, that may be a problem. But to see him get, you know, rotated or switched on them for, you know, 30 to 40% of the game and have to hold his own, you trust that at least half of those occasions or slightly more, Max is going to be able to do the job. And that's the job that he did in that Boston game.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the guy that he replaced in the starting lineup, Duncan Robinson only saw 15 minutes of action in that game. Oh, man, he only saw
1: 13 in Toronto game. I know we ain't got there yet, but it's it's sad, bro. It's tough. We're going to have to talk about that soon, too.
0: Yeah, we're... Let's talk about it now. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, he might be out of the rotation by the playoffs.
1: I think so. And we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But since you brought it up, with the way that Depot played on Sunday, um, you have to give Depot every opportunity to maximize or take advantage of those 15 to 20 minutes that you were setting aside for Duncan. Which begs of a question. Are they backing off of Duncan because we're heading to that time where you need to be operating fully, hoping that Duncan can regain it in the offseason because they did give him the bag? Or are we officially in Duncan's getting traded this offseason territory? And I don't know. And usually I would have a tape one way or another, and you know this about me, but I can't make a call because when you're the elite of the elite of the elite, even when Duncan hasn't been hidden this year, he bends defenses. He still bends defenses. It's just that on half of those occasions, we need you to make a shot, too. So, it's like his impact is still his impact. His shooting just isn't... And if you look at the numbers, they aren't that bad, to be honest
0: with you. So They're not it, bad. It, right, it's just it's that, right. It's just that he was our historical shooter.
1: Right. So, we're comparing him to itself. So, that... And, and that's why I say... Um, I'm at an impasse. I don't want to trade him. Let's let's make that clear. I'm not saying I want Duncan traded. I want Duncan to get right, because then what you're talking about is a team with five or six guys capable of seven, if we're talking Jimmy buckets with the three instead of the E. But we'll get there too. Um, then you're talking five or six guys who can absolutely just come out and torch you from range. So I'm not saying that I want him moved. Um, But as far as the immediate future, yeah, you have to give Depot the opportunity to maximize those minutes, especially after what he showed you Sunday in Toronto, which we're going to get to. But it also just brings you to the grander question of how much longer is Duncan on this team? And I'm not saying that anything's going to happen as far as him being moved. I'm not saying he's going to stay. I'm saying I want him to stay, and I hope that the plan is, okay, Duncan doesn't have it right now. We're going to fall back, allow him to get back in the lab. this offseason, recalibrate things, and see if we can do better next year as opposed to, okay, we're totally off Duncan. I absolutely hope that's the case. But I'm just saying with the way he struggled and with what we've seen over the past couple of games, and especially when you consider, like you said, 15 minutes, 13 minutes, like a match playing as well as he is, it makes you wonder, bro, because at the end of the day, it's still a numbers game. So if you get off of that nearly $100 million, imagine what you can do with the money. And again, I'm not saying that I don't want him around. I'm saying that yeah. it has to be a thought that has crossed the people's mind and make those decisions.
0: I was going to get into that. So, aside from the three main guys, Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam. you
1: got to say four. Cause you got to say four.
0: It, 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 no, no, I'm talking about salary.
1: Oh, okay, I got you. Well, I still think you gotta say four because even if it isn't this year, I think when he has one more year, you're gonna have to include Tyler Hero's money in that. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Just sure. to be fair. Just no, to be fair.
0: You're burning the lead.
1: I apologize, my brother. I'd like to segue you, not not ruin your <laughs> oop. Forgive me.
0: Because here's the thing. He's due for sixteen million. Well seventeen million if you round it up, sixteen point nine million next season. Aside from the three, the big three, he's the next big salary. And he is the only one of the big four salaries that's expendable, has some trade value, and his production can be somewhat replaced. Now, I know you disagree with that. I kind of disagree with it, too. However, I can rationalize it if they do it.
1: Right. Because I mean, you can get 80%. You can get 80% of what you get from him between Gabe and Matt.
0: Right. So that $16.9 million could come very useful when trading for if they decide they, like, let's say they get eliminated and there's a clear-cut uh, flaw Absolutely. that the team is currently constructed.
1: I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. To be fair, I'm not cutting off your point. I want you to finish. I'm saying I don't see that happening, but let's also add another leg to that scenario. Or if there's just a guy out there that you're like, hmm, we can take this money and he fits better. Go
0: ahead. Yeah. And by the way, we're we're not talking about Donovan Mitchell. Let's get that out of the way. No. <laughs> what no. what's what's going on this, out there? Because
1: is... that's gonna have to be something we address in the offseason, too. Do we really want Donovan Mitchell on our team? Because he kind of doesn't play defense. You know what I mean?
0: You know who I want? Well, no, I'm not, I'm let's not get into you, you know. You, I, you I, better I, not
1: say it. You better not say it, say it, say it. Say it.
0: No, no. Well, well. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put my crazy NBA fan hat on. I'm gonna put my my just outrageous take guy hat on. I'm gonna say I want Zion.
1: Hmm. Here's the thing about that. I can't argue that point. However, what I can say is, even if that were anatomically, physically, or chemically possible in some form of fashion, I don't know how I would feel about that. Because I don't know if me and you had this conversation specifically, but I was on this immediately, you know, once the college season was over. was over. A 270-pound man is not meant to jump 50 inches up in the air 80 times a night and be okay for 10-plus years doing it. It's just not physically possible.
0: Counterpoint. This is crazy Heat fan JJ speaking. We get him into the culture get him into basically uh, into Marvel superhero shape.
1: 230, 240 instead of 270? Mm-hmm. But then I asked you this, counterpoint of your counterpoint, is he still Zion at 230, 240 as opposed to
0: 250?
1: You see... Because you, you also got to realize he's really only like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six.
0: But he can jump out of the gym even at 270.
1: Right, and that's a vertical thing. I agree with you, there. That's a vertical thing. But at 250 to 270, when he gets up vertically explosive, that mass is going to move whoever's in front of him, and it also acts as like a force field to be like, bounce off me, bounce off me, then I'm going to throw this down. At 220, 230, you still have that vertical explosion, but think Brandon Clark. Like Brandon Clark of the Memphis, of the Memphis Grizzlies, like people don't think about this. His bunnies aren't quite Zion's, but his ability to explode vertically is the elite of the elite. But he's lost weight since he's came into the league. And, you know, a lot of players trim down and streamline so that they become so they can become stretch players and move around the perimeter in the NBA games faster to get up and down. But what that has done for Brandon Clark is limit his effectiveness around the rim, which is all of what got him drafted by Memphis in the first place.
0: Hmm. I thought he got drafted more like because he was a switchy defender.
1: No, but. he got he got drafted because he had, he had an historical field goal percentage season that last year at Gonzaga. If he got within four feet of the rim, he was finishing that joint. Like that's what got him. And of course, you know, Gonzaga had that massive run, was able to highlight his ability. And of course, he's a freak athlete. But, you know, his ability to defend, which might have something to do with his weight cut as well, certainly has something to do with it. But what I'm saying is like what also jumped off the page was the fact that the guy could jump 48 inches in the air on command and he finished everything within five feet of the rim. But that doesn't happen now. And it was a – I think they played the Phoenix Suns recently. Um, in that game, you could literally see that. Um, they were without a lot of their key guys in that game. Jaren Jackson Jr., they were without Bang. They were without John Moran. But there were times where Brandon Clark went – end up bodying up on a Jay Crowder. And Jay ain't no small dude. Jay thick and Jay tough, so I'm not saying Jay Little. But he would body up on a Jay Crowder. He would body up on a one a McHale Bridges even. All tough guys, don't get me wrong. They're the toughest of the toughest of the littler guys, cool comers. Now granted, we're talking about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guys who even me at 6'3", they would have to look down on me. But what I'm saying is in the grand scheme of things, Brandon Clark right out of, right out of Gonzaga, he's bodying them cats, dunking on them even. But I don't know if without that extra mass, you offer that same impact. And, of course, we're going to get back to the Miami Heat. So finish crazy, J.J. Heat fan. I just want to let the people know we're not going off completely the
0: Yeah, we, we did it again. We veered off track here, but this time I think we might have veered track off track here <laughs> the most.
1: It's like the multiverse. We went off track, but it all comes back to one. Time isn't parallel. Time is consistent. I know, I didn't mean to go all anatomic on you guys. Rock with
0: it. Yeah, well, Doctor Strange already has cast a spell. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's talk about well, you wanna talk anything else about the Celtics Sand before we move on to the Bulls or
1: Um look man, I think it was very Maybe important. we should call
0: them just what we should call them? The calves? The cows?
1: Oh, the bulls? Oh, we should call them top is what we should call them, but we're gonna get there. Um <laughs> so When it comes to the Celtics, man, I think that we, you know, we hadn't been able to beat them all year, Um, and especially after the way that they beat us up in Boston the last time. Um, It was important for us to go in there and be able to beat them like we did in a very highly contested game, a game of runs, a game that saw us down pretty good, a game that saw them down pretty good. But at the end of the day, the Miami Heat, the team that you know, that you hope, that you believe, that you want to be tougher, um, showed to be the tougher team now. You do give them the credence of the fact that they were without their anchor, Robert Williams, who will be without, um, who will be out till about the second round of the playoffs if that three week or so window is right with the meniscus. But at the end of the day, yeah, go
0: ahead. No, no. Well, I was just gonna say that we usually hold disdain for Boston and their fans, but you know, over here we don't like seeing players injured, and you know, the NBA is better when everybody's healthy.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say this.
0: I just hope that well of course Rob and his team and the doctors that are treating him I'm pretty sure they're taking his well-being as the number one priority right but a meniscus tear for a man of his size his there ability the, all the jumping that he does did you see my tweet I, I re- are you reading my tweets well I think I saw it but maybe but I'm not like making direct reference to it but hey Let's, let's say I'm making a direct reference to it.
1: I know, brother. When we on the same page, though, it's just lovely. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Just uh, don't rush it back.
1: Right, bro. It's, it's when you have to – it's literally the definition of saving the man from himself. Um, as an athlete, as a competitor at the highest level, you want to be there playing, not only for yourself, for your own pocketbook, for what that could mean for your trajectory, but you want to be there for your team, bro. And especially when your team has been one of the absolute, if not the absolute best team in the league over the last 25 games or so, you want to be there. So you understand that. However, you can even look back to a example in our history, Um, D-Wade, like once you get certain things, if you don't do it the quote unquote long way, then you're asking for a career of management. Pain, arthritis, um, multiple games, here from swelling, having to drain it there. So as you mentioned, bro's almost seven feet. And bro isn't a lumbering seven foot. Bro got some boy on yon. So he's getting up in the air pretty good when he gets up there. Um, and you're talking about bringing all of that down on a knee that now has no padding in between those joints. You know, again, I want him to do what he thinks is best. And if he thinks that's coming back to give his team his all as quick as he can, then more power to him. I'm not going to knock him. However, you like you mentioned, you do worry about the long-term impact of what this may mean for him because whereas he could get back quicker now and save himself, you know, three weeks or the rest of his season, you may be looking at a situation where it's sapping three to four elite defensive years away from a guy who was well on his way being one of the most elite defensive players in the league.
0: Yeah, and the D-Way thing you mentioned. By 2014, Dwayne Wade was sitting out back-to-backs.
1: Come on, bro. Don't, because don't, do that he literally, don't, don't do that to me, bro. See, you just gotta you just gotta take me back to the past. Trauma, man.
0: The man literally could not go on back-to-backs. Which makes this oh
1: my kind my of God. resurgence
0: with the Bulls and then with the Heat when he came back and he played well for us. Obviously right. he wasn't a, the D weight of old, which makes it kind of amazing.
1: It does. He, but even but think about that, not to cut you off. He theoretically had months off at a time between all of that, the cavs, the heat. He theoretically had a lot of time off. So even still, it's like do you take the time now? Do you wait and see and eventually still have to take the time? You know. But at that point, you've lost some of your pop. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So now that we have moved past the kind of troubling part, let's talk about the bowls, or as can't it's called. What do you call it? A sirloin steak? Yeah,
1: mm, sir, top sirloin, baby. United Senate's best.
0: <laughs> we swept. We swept the season series with the bowls.
1: By the way, they a let game? us know that they let us know that our child support checks made it there before we got there, so we just you know made sure we take care of our kids and everything.
0: <laughs> All jokes aside, though, it was a wire to wire domination by the Heat. Like they just, they just thoroughly outplayed everybody. Even even UD got some got some time in with in the, the game.
1: Absolutely, we're four against them on the season, man. Um, to, to be quite frank, yeah, Levine got his stuff off, but it was it was pointless. Um, we owned them. There is something about the way the Bulls do it that the Miami Heat just had their number. And I'll give you a good example. In the last contest back in February, right, we mm-hmm. put both Levine and DeMar in a torture chamber. I mean, we we, we caged them up. And they might have got a few numbers toward the end of the game, but as far as effective numbers, impact on winning, we we, we put that in a box. And this game,
0: yeah, Levine got his numbers, but DeMar struggled. Here's the thing. Maybe I missed some of it, but I didn't see, and by the way, DeMar still finished with 26. He shot 33%, but he finished with 26, which is, you know, if you're box score watching, you can say, oh, he finished with 26 points, but then, you know, and it's like... Then you look at the last number on the
1: box score, and they lost by damn near as much as he scored. But anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, what I was trying to say is that I didn't see that much of the blitzing, blitzing scheme that they did when we faced right. them back in February. They changed it's,
1: it's, it up. It's using the leverage against them, though. If they think you're going to blitz, okay, allow them to get to that area. And as soon as they get to that area, you crowd the space. Think about it. And, I, and, and we always talk about, and I wrote this, of course, over the four-game losing streak, too, not to go back to a dark time, but... You, you can never understate the value of a Gabe Vincent. Yeah, Gabe has become a floor general type. Gabe has become more than dependable with that jump shot. The boy always had a wetter, now you're seeing it in live action. But where Gabe really separates himself and especially for a guy of his size, is his toughness, his grittiness, and his willingness to defend any fucking body.
0: So Amen. A,
1: a guy like Gabe Vincent was all up in demar's chest like he was all up in his chest don't give him room to do the you know the jab steps the ball swings all of that okay and because he's bigger than you he gonna muscle you and shoulder you and eventually get to a spot where he can get his shot off but as soon as he does that you convert to the side and you continue to crowd him you don't touch him but you put that hand right up there and drift off to the side so that he don't feel comfortable at any point So that was that leverage based on the last game's blitzing scheme that you then allowed them to feel like, okay, now we're getting to our spot. They're not doing that. But it wasn't, I guess, you know what? To say the blitzing scheme was off might be a mischaracterization as opposed to blitzing them at the top of the attack in that last contest. They delayed the blitz in this contest. And it might have not came as intense, but the blitz still happened. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So... Uh, I don't think there's much else to discuss about this game. This was a game that no, was pretty much other, wrapped other than if up. Do you like
1: a one or are you an a one guy or, or 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 uh? What's your favorite steak sauce?
0: Steak sauce? I don't use steak sauce.
1: Oh, you don't use steak sauce? You like your meat seasoned, right? Huh? Yeah. Well, I tell you what. The way we tend to rise the bulls on Saturday night, you wouldn't need no steak sauce.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, you want to hear an interesting Jimmy Butler stat? The last four uh-huh. games,
1: absolutely. I know where you're going, but tell me anyway.
0: So in this game, Jimmy Butler shot two for three from deep. This is a guy that's shooting that was shooting 21 percent from deep for the <gasps> season. Not Jimmy Bunches. So according to what I, you know, according to the numbers that I like have in front of me. The last four games, Jimmy Butler has shot 45% from deep. 5 for 11. What? And that's with him going 0-4 against the Celtics. What? You know Tyler Hero said he can shoot, right? I saw that. I'm just saying. We all knew he could shoot. I don't know what happened with when he came to Miami. Because I'm not saying he was a sharpshooter. But,
1: but he was he was a he was an above average shooter about thirty three percent.
0: Yeah, and then he came down here and I don't know if it was the weather or anything. He basically became the worst shooter in the league statistically.
1: Yeah, man, I don't know what it was. It must be the humidity.
0: <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but in the last four games, he has turned it around. Five for eleven from deep. Three three pointers against the Kings. None against the Celtics and he shot three times. And two against the Bulls and he shot three times. And he didn't play, of course, against Toronto, which we're gonna cover soon.
1: Absolutely. But now you gotta include versus Sacramento. Not only was he not only did he make three, but he made his first three in a row. Um Here's the thing about it, man, and I've said it before, and you know I've said it before, so I know you heard this one. Even if Jimmy isn't making it, and and, and my lord, my lord, my lord, he's making it now, so I definitely need him to keep shooting it. Jimmy had to take that shot. He had to take it to put it in the mind of the defender. Now that he's hitting a couple, oh, again, my lord, my lord, my lord. you know Not not only that,
0: he had to take those because, you know, for the sake of the future of our team, and for his future as a player. That's
1: that's what I'm getting to, bro. You know the freight train that is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy getting to the cup regardless. If Jimmy decides that Jimmy going to the cup, Jimmy going to the cup. Now, the difference in him taking that shot is that now he might only have to deal with two guys instead of three. His teammates, when they drive or, or, or find themselves in the paint for a look, they might only have to deal with one guy instead of two or three. So Jimmy always had to take that shot. You love that he's finally started to take it more, and of course that he's hitting a couple. But Jimmy always had to take that shot, and, and again, man, you just can't say enough about the fact that or how much you love that he's doing it. I mean, when you think about peaking at the right time from a team perspective, um, especially coming off the bounce back, you know, bouncing back off the adversity that was a week or so ago, um, Jimmy's you know, Jimmy's peaking at the right time. Max Struce is peaking at the right time. Kyle Lowry's peaking at the right time. The team is peaking at the right time. the seems. Dwayne Dedman may even be back to peaking at the right time. I mean, you just love when you see the things come together when they need to come together. And I think Jimmy's ability to not only make the three, but his willingness to take the three is a part of all
0: of that. Looks like, well, he was wearing a shooting, a shooting sleep. So, although...
1: Somebody Jimmy's mentioned to... that. Somebody mentioned that. We don't have to tell Jimmy Jimmy's one of the few guys him.
0: that a shooting sleeve does not suit him. I don't know why. No,
1: it doesn't. It doesn't.
0: Like, yeah, Bam. I'm. If I use see him without shooting sleeves, I think I'll probably confuse him with another guy because the shooting sleeves, the shooting sleeve is already a part of Bam. But you know, Jimmy. We're, yeah we're gonna wrap this up quickly because i don't think we're we should spend too much time talking about how another guy wears a shooting sleeve yeah i'm not used (laughs) i'm not used to seeing jimmy butler wear a shooting sleeve and you know let's wrap
1: it up if i had my druthers i like jimmy with the under armor undershirt more than if if i'm you know what i mean like if you're not going classic sleeveless nothing on jimmy i like jimmy with the short undershirt on you know what i mean
0: yeah, I think what you know what you mean. But you know what? The ninja-style headband was will always be
1: Absolutely. my favorite. And that's why they banned it, because Jimmy was too lethal with the ninja-style headband.
0: <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of lame. Well, maybe they had concerns about somebody pulling it or something. Definitely, I don't know.
1: definitely. It was probably too much dangly-hangly going on there. Wait a minute. What did I just say? But either way. Yeah, go oh. ahead.
0: Okay, um, well, we're getting into. I had a
1: karate moment, then. i huh? naughty karate. The, the
0: 305 culture after dark. So, anyway.
1: You mean to tell me we had a situation, yeah
0: <laughs> Okay.
1: I did that one on purpose, at least.
0: The after dark situation? Bingo. <laughs> okay. I'm
1: <Damn> a slammer.
0: <laughs> Let's go up north to Toronto. Where Kyle Lowry had an emotional return to the city that Lowry saw him.
1: Day. Kyle Lowry Day. How the city
0: it? and team that saw him grow into a player with such a high esteem. Like, such a high esteemed player as he is today. Because remember, I remember when Kyle Lowry got to Toronto. Even though I was young, I still followed the NBA back then. People didn't think like he was... He, like they knew he had talent, but he had a reputation for being like a hothead or something.
1: Right. He had a reputation for being stubborn, for being a hothead, not wanting to do all he cared, his way at a highway. Um, nobody thought that he would reach the lengths or reach the heights that he did in Toronto. You like you said, you knew he could be a good player. Um, but you, you never thought he could become an all timer. Cal Lord is a Hall of Famer, bro. It, oh, without yeah. without this year, he's a I mean just cutting things off at last year and, and and back. He's a Hall of Famer, so you didn't know you you didn't know you were looking at that when he got there.
0: So, the greatest Raptor in franchise history. I don't think that's a debate within Raptor with the Raptors fan base. Some people still scream about Vince. I'm not a Raptors fan. I'm just basing it off. Of I follow a lot of Raptors fans. They. Basically choke up when they talk about Kyle Lowry, how much they love him.
1: Hey, bro, I get it. So, I get it because the guy ain't been on my team but nine months, and, and I'll shed a tear.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he's a hell of a player. I love him already. So let's talk about the game. The Heat won by five. A game that was well played, as all Heat Raptors games are. Mr. President. Max Trues led the Heat in scoring. Come on now,
1: come on now, come on now.
0: <laughs> this was without. This is a game that f- featured no Jimmy Butler, no PJ Tucker, and no Coach Spolstra.
1: You, you got to say the mechanic didn't play either. No Dwayne Deman
0: Oh yeah, no Dwayne Deman So we got a which is important. A lot of you
1: about right when you're talking about a team full of six nine guys and your advantage can be your size. You didn't have your biggest guy.
0: Yeah, and they we had a lot of Omer and. They want to, Pascal want to work on him, unfortunately. But anyway, it's good that Yurt gets a run here or there. But more importantly, we got the win without our best player, without a key veteran, and without our head coach.
1: I got to mention this. With all the Spohs slander recently, you got to mention this. Nick Nurse got beat by Chris
0: Quinn. (laughs) Chris Quinn's first career win as a head coach. Congrats to him. Probably will be a head coach somewhere in the near future. Absolutely. If not here.
1: You know it. You, well, here's the thing. Spoh still got 15 years left, bro. I mean
0: 15. I, I don't know 15.
1: Bro, how old is Spoh? How old is Spoh, JJ?
0: Like 50-something?
1: 50 50-something? 50
0: 50-something? 50 I think so, yeah.
1: 51, bro. I understand well, that I understand that the one is something, but you make it sound like he's 55. Okay.
0: Well, he's still 50.
1: Yeah, okay. I got you. Who's the oldest coach in the NBA?
0: Should be Pop, right?
1: Right. And how old is Pop?
0: Whoa. I'm going to need to look it up. Give me a second. He's,
1: I'll give you. Don't even worry about it. We're going to move on. He's 72.
0: But you see were there rumblings that the succession plan was for Spo to move to the front office?
1: Um, I don't know if I've heard that and I can buy that. I, I would not that at all. but my thing is this, yo, Spo still loves what he does and he's able to identify he's able to identify so well with his guys and he's able to ingratiate himself so well. I mean, even if you think about how well him and Tyler Hero have gotten, how much Bam seems to love him, how close him and Kyle have gotten in just this short time, you can look to the later guys on the bench, man, him and Mark Keith, how he speaks about Oladipo. Um, I just don't know if Spoh's the guy that's ever going to get tired of coaching as much as he's just going to get to a point where his wife and his family is going to be like, look, you got to bring your ass home. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I'm just saying, like, I, I might be being generous with 15, but I think he goes at least – let's be fair. He goes at least 10
0: more years, bro. 10, I could see. 15, that's okay. a lot.
1: We can meet in the middle at 10. Go ahead. I said that to say because this. Because
0: he has already coached for 15. Right. So, so that would be a 30-year career. Hey, bro, not, do, it's like very few guys, even some of the best of all time, have not reached 30 years coaching Do, do we the call NBA. them –
1: let me ask you this, bro. And then I'm going to make these two points and then we can go ahead with the Toronto thing. Do we call them Miami Heat part-timers?
0: That's fair. We call I think them what? we can leave it at that.
1: We call them what? Heat lifers. We call them Miami Heat lifers. And I don't know if Chris Quinn wants to wait another 10 years because he can probably get an opportunity before that. And hey, if it don't work out, just bring your ass back.
0: Well, they didn't bring back Fizdale, but...
1: Well, I think Fizz wanted to go somewhere. And you know my theory on Fizz, which is why he in L.A. now. If he hadn't went out to L.A. with his boy, Braun, because him and Braun are super close, which I get it, he would have came back. But Fizzdale ain't slick. Fizz ain't slick at all. And I wrote this, too, on All You Can Heat, where you can catch me and JJ for all your written and verbal Miami Heat needs. Check us out, yo. Absolutely. Fizz went to L.A. hoping that Vogel was going to get the can.
0: And it looks like he's going to get it. (laughs)
1: But it's the thing about it, though. By the, way, quick, it, by
0: the way, quick segue before we talk about the Raptors. Oh, the Lakers are shit. I we've been on that. <laughs> I've been on that train for a while now. The Lakers are ass.
1: Yeah, man, they're terrible.
0: They're um, gonna miss the playing.
1: Even LeBron can't save them. Now, think about that.
0: I mean, LeBron turned his ankle and he did not play against Denver, and they got shellacked by them. Shellacked I- at this point. At this point, why? Why play him? Why risk further injury, man? You're almost twenty. You're almost twenty years deep. I know he's chasing the record, and he needs as many games as possible.
1: He's chasing the scoring title, and I think he needs to play two more games to reach the threshold of, um, you know, seventy percent or whatever. Um, So here's the thing, man. Magic Johnson. I'm sure you've seen. Oh,
0: you see Magic Johnson? Yeah, airing airing their dirty laundry. Oh
1: my god. Oh my god. Oh, my God. Magic doesn't tell it all the business. You hear me? Um, If you think things are messed up in Tinseltown right now, you just give it a couple weeks to the playoffs going. They're not in it. And all of this shit the Magic just swirled up starts to really hit the fan. Um, I mean, because we already – if you know what you're watching and if you follow any narrative – and if you've seen the man give a press conference, crying about defense, calling them names and stuff. And I like Russell Westbrook. I just think that was a bit soft. Like, bro, you play sports and like you let us know, you make a whole bunch of money and you go home happy. So the last thing I need you doing is coming out complaining because somebody called you Westbrook. No, get your ass in the gym. Anyway, um, yeah, man. I, eh, eh, that's rough. That's a rough one, bro. Fizdale, <laughs> if if... If it was midseason, then Fizz would have been ninety-five percent a shoe in for the job. And think Woodson, or even think um, who's my guy in Atlanta? Um, from he coached in Portland. Ah, uh, name slips me right now. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? The coach for Atlanta, uh-huh. Nate McMillan. Oh, you my know God, how he, yeah. You know how he stepped in midway, carried that team to a playoff run, and he and the job was his. Like if Fisdale had had that opportunity, then the plan nice would have too. Right. The plan would have worked to perfect execution. Like that was the plan. Okay, he gonna get fired before this year over. I'm gonna get to step in, I'm gonna improve him, we gonna go at least to the play in, make a little run, and I'm gonna keep this job for next season. But with everything not shaking out to the off season, I can see them clear I can see Fizdale getting the opportunity to interview, but I can see them going in a totally different direction as well.
0: And you would figure if there are no major shakeups in the front office, which I think would be a mistake if they don't truly do a, like, they oh, gotta so you, look deep into so you think it's time
1: to tear that shit down, huh?
0: I don't know if it's time to tear that shit down, but it's time to, tar- to start asking yourself hard questions.
1: I mean, you gave up the future to land AD, so at the very worst... It's AD, and what are we doing around him now? I'm gonna be honest with you, and I've thought about this. And again, we're gonna get to the Toronto game, but it's LeBron, and he won titles with the Miami Heat. So you're never really off base when you're talking about the best player in the world, especially if he won titles for your team.
0: No longer the, the best player in the world, but and as you have said multiple times,
1: and debatable, debatable. I think I'm most still taking
0: fans. the guy in Brooklyn and the guy in Milwaukee, but
1: and that's fine, bro, because I'm still taking the guy in LA.
0: And by the way. As you have said multiple times we're, we're renaissance men we love Absolutely. the miami Heat. we talk Absolutely. about them a lot but you know 90 percent of the time we talk about the heat but this is the 10 percent that we talk about other things
1: this is that we also we, we can talk about the nba as a whole too now i mean i'm not just gonna let you get away with that and you know i said that your answers aren't wrong you could take the guy in milwaukee hell you could take the guy in brooklyn because the guy in brooklyn is a freak of his own right and I mean, if the guy in Milwaukee can continue to hit that three point shot, it ain't gonna be a damn thing you can do with him across the next five years either.
0: But five but years my, to next, next how God knows how long.
1: I don't see. Here's the thing about it, and I'm gonna say this: it goes back to the Robin, it goes back to the Robert Williams, Zion Williamson thing. Not play styles, not quality of player. A body built like that ain't meant to do the things that that man make his body do.
0: I just hope he holds up. Holds up for I,
1: I hope he do too. I'm not wishing that on him. But see, you said that because you understand what I'm saying. A seven foot dude ain't supposed to be able to do what that freak can make his body do. Am I right? Yeah. Right. So you 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 think about that, and and if you think back to last year's playoffs and the reports that came out this year, he told you himself. One wrong move and he would have blew that knee out last year, but he played through it and it worked out because he got him one. But you know what I'm saying? Which like, makes
0: that game six more just so much more legendary. Absolutely, that-
1: absolutely. And I'll give him that. But to the overarching point, you can take either of those dudes, because I'm still taking I'm still taking six. I'm still taking two, three. I'm still taking the guy that we call the king, the chosen one, I'm still taking him. Because until he falls off he's still the best player in the world to me because he can come out and not only get you 35, 40, 50, if you need, but he can definitely come out, get you 30, 10, and 10, and then D up on your best player, your second best player. Maybe not all game long no more, but he can still give you stuff that those other guys can't give you. That's the only thing for me. Um, Now, if you're the Lakers, the only, yo, you gave up everything for AD and, And it might sound blasphemous because it's never been done without his acquiescing or without being behooved by him first. If you're the Lakers, you have to trade Braun.
0: You have to trade Braun?
1: You have to trade Braun because he's the only thing that's going to give you enough bullshit back to reset it. If not, you're running the same exercise in futility because. It's like, yo, you, you've sold the farm to get AD. You missed out on your chance to get DeMar DeRozan. Shout out the Magic. Um, you're gonna lose Russ. Um, so now you don't have that asset to go get a John Wall anymore. Um, your money.
0: Sign a trade t- for, for Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing. Send it in. Mm. Mm.
1: But then you're running into a situation
0: you're talking Westbrook. <laughs> By the way, that's that's a shit package for LeBron yeah. James. <laughs> oh, oh, I
1: thought you were talking. I thought you're talking Westbrook.
0: My bad. Um, no.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, Fuck no. Hell no. Yeah, that's a shit package. Bro. That's the starting point for LeBron James. Now, how many first rounders you gonna give us with that bullshit? Um, but that's however, a, go ahead.
0: I think he ends up in Cleveland, no matter what.
1: I'm gonna be honest with you, bro, and and you're gonna hate me for saying this. It's either Cleveland or Miami. Hmm.
0: I don't know if that bridge has been I'm, repaired. I'm going to be
1: honest with you, bro. And you know me. I thought that I didn't think it was a problem. I, I thought that we were going to get right. And it turns out that I was right. And I mentioned this and I put it on wax. So I ain't making it up now. And it's not revisionist history. It's not hindsight. It's 2020. None of that shit. I thought that we were going to be okay after the snafu. But there was 5% of me in my mind that I was like, yo, if this shit totally breaks down. We're going to fucking trade Jimmy and Duncan to the Lakers for LeBron. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, That was the total pessimistic me. I didn't want it to happen, and I never thought it would really happen, but that was me off a shot of that brown one night going through Twitter, defeated, because I had seen all of the rest of these suckers out here. I'm sorry. I had a momentary lapse of failure, JJ. Don't hold me accountable for my worst moments.
0: You know what? I'm I'm not going to brag here. I'm actually surprised that I held on to the optimism more than you did. All the thing that worried me was how Spo reacted.
1: No, 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 I, no, I'm not gonna let you say that, because you know I wasn't worried either. I'm saying I just had, a, that was just like a 5% thought, where I'm sitting there like, well, what if it doesn't go right? But because you know, I said it when we talked about it immediately. I don't know if this was a podcast or if this was a personal conversation, as we have a lot of those people. And we try to make sure we fill in those gaps and reference that when we can for you guys. So don't feel like we're not trying to give you all of this content. But I have to remind JJ sometimes, hey, man, we're giving away beautiful content and nobody else is going <laughs> to hear it. Um, I mean, that was just one of those moments, JJ, where, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, mm, you know. And listen,
0: man, uh, listen, man, I'm going to admit. For a moment there, I was—I w- my mind went like, oh man, this ha- it's happening with Jimmy again, isn't it?
1: And and that and, 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 and right, and right. And I'm not gonna full blown say it's happening again as much as because of his past, you have to allow yourself to be semi-realistic. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was like for a couple minutes and then I went like, no. Right,
1: I'm- right, because again, we weren't worried. We know the culture, we know what it it's built off. We know the type of guys we got in there we've come to love jimmy because of who he is. We see how he's interacted with this team. We've never heard anything about him, you know, um blowing up or being that same guy that he, you know, that he has been reported to be with spoke. This was just a situation where, you know, attitudes flared up and, you know, they moved past it, brother. And now we're here kicking ass in the following week.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think we we're, we're, we set a record for for just veering off track. Well, we, always,
1: we, we always found a way to spin it back to the Heat, though. I think that's the beautiful thing about what we do. Toronto, yeah. my now,
0: friend. Now that we're talking about the Heat, let's talk about the Heat-Raptors game. And let's close that out because we have some... We need to take a look at the Eastern Conference playoff race because bro, this has been one of the most entertaining playoff races of my life. So, let's wrap this up quickly. Kyle Lowry played great. Well, not great great like like we know he can like the utah game or dallas game but he played solid really good 16.6 rebounds 10 assists and that's looking at the box score he was hitting shots he and fred van vliet had a had a little something going from van vliet broke lowry's record for most threes in a season in front of kyle lowry which i think was perf was just poetry really because It has been well-documented the relationship that Fred and Kyle have and how Kyle was great for Fred's development and now Fred's an all-star. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Kyle Lowry was. If anybody other than Fred was was happy that, that evening, it was Kyle Lowry. So, this was a game that I want to talk about. I've seen a lot of people caping for, for year seven getting more minutes. We saw what happened there. They moved Pascal to center, and he absolutely cooked them.
1: Right. And that's been that's always what I've told you about, you know, Jure from the very beginning. Um, and don't get me wrong. Yurt had some moments in that game where he moved the feet. He showed me that the work that you imagine he's putting in in that Miami Heat organization is starting to pay off. He's not there yet, though. You know what I mean? So you mentioned and it, pa- they put Pascal on him. He did that little giddy up spin move and he was at the cup.
0: Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's kind of good that your team faces these kinds of, these type of players, Pascal Siakam at his best is an all NBA player. Hell, he has made himself, he somehow has found himself into an all NBA 13 forward spot conversation because of how well he has played ever since like he kind of started off the season a bit slow.
1: Because he know how to travel without getting called for it. That's how he's done it. But anyway, I digress. Hey,
0: brother, if they don't call it, it's fair.
1: You're saying if they don't call it, it ain't a travel, huh?
0: Hey, so so who else is going to call it then?
1: Um, I guess you're right, man. I, I guess you're right.
0: So... Let's talk about the big thing that emerged for the Miami Heat in this game. Victor Oladipo, we would be remiss if we didn't mention him. Had been out of the rotation for and you know, didn't play against Boston. And, you know, he hasn't looked really he let's just say he hasn't looked good ever since he came back, which was to be expected. He came back from a long recovery of a very a very difficult injury to come back from. And he did it, and he wasn't getting to the cup as much as we wanted him to. But the jump shot was falling for him that night, to the two and a six from nine from deep, including a deep, and I mean deep, from Steph Curry range three pointer, to basically swing the game in our favor. And from there, we we took the the game of the horns
1: about thirty eight feet with a guy closing out on him. Um, to your point, and not to cut you off because I want you to finish your spew. With Victor, man, he just he just didn't look comfortable. I mean, whether it was getting to the rim, whether it was taking his shots, he just didn't look in rhythm. Um, and I think you saw that in Toronto. Go ahead.
0: And by the way, he only had one attempt from two. Still something concerning. It's just that the, the threes were falling for him that night.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but the attempt that he had from two is important. Excuse
0: me, not not, not, not attempt, made field goal. That made right. field goal I, right. was the made, a dunk. The
1: made, right. The made field goal that he had was important. I mean, because he diced the dude up. Burst it through the lane, and then when he got to the cup, he exploded up and finished. I mean, you like to see that. It wasn't with as much unful fervor or pop as you've seen Depot, but the fact that he could still make those moves, burst through the defense, through the lane, and still have enough left to get up and throw it down, you like to see that.
0: And by the way, after this game has prompted a conversation, we alluded to it earlier. We talk when we talk about Duncan Robinson being on the rotation. Now, this all depends. I need to see a bit more of Victor Oladipo. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: But I think that's why these last couple of games are important, especially if you know the most of the regular guys don't go in that last Magic game. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we will be back. But I think it's important um, to see how Depot is inserted and how good he can look moving forward because that has to be a real conversation, right?
0: Yeah, because if he looks hell, if he looks like seventy-five percent of Victor Oladipo. Against Toronto, then I'm sorry. I'm taking him over Duncan.
1: You because... have to, bro. You have to because of the multipleness, because of the two way ability, and because of the wild card that is Depot. You know that if you find Depot in rhythm, there can be sequences where he can look like a superstar on the court, and Duncan can't do that.
0: Yeah. The only thing that would concern us, like in that potential playoff rotation, and we can talk about that when the season is officially over, but right now, There are basically, would you say there are seven spots set in stone, or Hmm.
1: seven? um, Yeah, I would say there are seven spots set in stone. That would be the five starters: Tyler and Dwayne.
0: Yeah. So I would say maybe there's one. There I say two, but that would be that would would be a that there would be basically very little prison for playoff rotation that.
1: I think we're going to go 10 deep regularly. I think we're going to go 10 deep regularly, whereas those last three guys might only see 10 games. Because I think it's going to be, like I said, the starting six, including the sixth starter, which is Tyler. You have Dwayne Deadman, Then you have to find some minutes for Gabe Vincent. You have to find some minutes for Caleb Martin. And you might, you just might. Rock with me here. You just might a little bit of Marquise Morris depending on the matchup.
0: You see, I think Caleb has earned a spot in the playoff rotation. However, we might see too much of him depending on the matchup.
1: Well, see, that's what what I'm saying. I do too, but with his lower body injuries over the last couple of weeks and with the fact of you're going to have him, even though you know, you've seen Jimmy play a lot of that stretch four recently, you're going to play a lot of Caleb at that 3-4 range and there are going to be some matchups where you're just like Caleb isn't big enough, so we need to go Marquise, who can still give you some of that perimeter stuff. And even though Marquise isn't a quote-unquote great defender, he's just a bigger body to be a barrier. And that's the only thing that, you know, I think about or consider there.
0: Like, let's say say just for argument's sake, in the first round they face Charlotte.
1: You're going to see a lot of Caleb.
0: Yeah. A lot of Caleb and potentially Marquise. although I don't know if he can handle Miles Bridges as well, if maybe Marquise and Jimmy could. I mean, excuse me, Caleb and Jimmy could.
1: Right. And see, that's the thing. I think that he plays along the perimeter, even when you look at PJ Washington,
0: he's more And that's is Gordon Gordon Hayward's gonna be back by then, right? Right, or right. A, or but, he but how back?
1: much but how much do you think we're gonna get from him that early too? You know what I mean? So I mean there's a lot of different questions. But that but everything you mentioned is why I say you have to save room for Marquise. Because there are going to be situations where there's an extreme use for a guy who is big, but who's also mobile and perimeter oriented too. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So anyway, let's close out the the thoughts on the Toronto game so we can give a brief outlook at the how the Eastern Conference looks. Uh, final thoughts on this game. I think it was a great win against a really good opponent who has been surging. By the way, they can still claim the fifth seed. Technically they can they can go extremely high, but I don't think it would be just so improbable for them to get past Philly or anything. Right now their ceiling is the fifth seed. They could still follow it to the play in, although they seem pretty safe. They're they're about three and a half games ahead of Cleveland, and Cleveland is in a free fall right now. I feel I feel bad for those guys. They're just they've just gotten banged up and one injury too many. For them. But it's a great story. For-
1: Absolutely. I agree with you, man. You said it all on Toronto. Huge win It's a good team This surging. I would also add one more thing in there. Like the Boston Celtics, um, the Raptors have been really pesky for the Miami Heat this season, so it was good to see them able to go get a win against that team that nobody seems to want to face come the playoffs, and especially in their building because not only does the win say a lot at this particular time of the year, but the fact that you're comfortable enough to win in their building without all of your big guns going, um, that says a lot about who you are and the fortitude of your team. So that was good to see.
0: By the way, I don't think Philly or either, well, I mean, not even us, but we're pretty safe from them at this point if we stay in the first seed. Not a Philly or Milwaukee, although I think Philly would be much more cha- would be. I don't want to use the word afraid, but they were not. I don't think they would want any part of Toronto in the first round.
1: I think I would actually say Milwaukee's probably the team that fears Toronto the most, if you're asking me. And Milwaukee's the better team of the three, if you're talking Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn, to me. But I think when you look at the matchups, the way that everything would shake out, the matchups would probably be poor for Giannis. Because when you think about KD and Joel, there are really no guys that are suited to guard them. And yes, that's the same thing with Giannis. But here's a kicker. The Raptors play four dudes that are built just like Giannis. So even if one of them can't stop him, you got four dudes who can constantly switch off on him.
0: But here's the thing, though. If they go against Philly, at this point, with the way James Harden has looked, by the way, James Harden has not looked great.
1: No, it's
0: no, not, This is not the this is not the guy they traded for. Or they were betting that they were trading for. So and Nick Nurse has historically has been highlighted by other people. He has been probably the one coach that has been consistent, being able to consistently draw game plans that slowed down Joel beat enough. Now during their championship run they had Marcus Saul who was basically the Joel Embiid neutralizer right. at that point. But see, here's the thing, though. They can double him, and with their length and size, if they double him and he kicks it out to a shooter, to a cutter, they are well-coached enough, and they are are athletically capable enough to recover in time to make the Philly offense in the half-court, at least, stagnate. And just the Philly offense overall, because they're a slow team.
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: And with James Harden, you can just bank on, just say, "Hey Van Vliet, just get up in his grill, don't foul him." And if he if he's looking for a pick, then switch it up and put OG Scotty Pascal on him. You see what I'm saying? The line yep. of versatility for for the Raptors is insane.
1: But I think, I think that you can. But I think that you can make a similar case for Milwaukee. Um, even though, like you said, when you're talking Milwaukee, you have two more guys that you well, actually, you have a couple more guys because if Bobby Portis see, is playing anything like he played in the playoffs last year, he's you have to include him in their main guys. But I mean, I understand see, what you're saying.
0: You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee gets more downhill than Philly does.
1: That's fair too. That's fair too because they don't have a guy that's constantly clogging the paint, so it opens up those lanes. Whereas if you're Philly. Not only do you not have the guys that can fully take advantage of that um, particular aspect of the game, but you can't do that when Joel Embiid is operating in the box.
0: And with Milwaukee, you have the Chris Middleton factor. Right. Because if Chris Middleton's cooking, then you can't double Giannis.
1: That's a fact.
0: Because Chris Middleton, when he's cooking, he's making it over everybody.
1: Right, but that goes back to the fact that, like I said, all of those dudes are 6'9 and long, bro. So that's why I said, yes, Chris Middleton, if you got your most athletic, biggest dude on Giannis, typically the the, the one or two 6'9 long athletic guys that are on a team are taking turns guarding Giannis. But every dude on the Raptors is like that. You see what I'm saying? So Chris Middleton's going to have to make some of the toughest shots he's made all year for five, six games. And that's the thing that, you know what I'm saying?
0: I mean, but the thing is that Chris Middleton has proven that he can hit those tough shots.
1: Um, He didn't do it on Sunday.
0: Well, he did do it during their championship run. And Giannis. Oh, oh you son swash,
1: of a bitch. You son
0: of a bitch. Giannis is a better, dare I say, a better player than he was in their championship run.
1: JJ, I'll, is, I'll I'll never forgive you for what you just did. You just flashed me back to Chris Middleton hitting the game winning shot over Duncan. Oh, you <laughs> son of a ooh!
0: I'm sorry, man. It had to be said. It's a it's it's the truth. So anyway, quick look at the Eastern Conference standings. The Miami Heat currently hold a two game lead over the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are in second. Milwaukee is half a game behind Boston. No games to be played, but by, by the way, because tonight's a championship game, UNC Kansas. Philly and Milwaukee are tied for the 3-4. So, Philly can go over Milwaukee. And over Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee can drop down to fourth. I don't think... Milwaukee I think the, first, I think I think the, the top four... Ahead. Yeah, I was going to say just that the top four are basically set. It's just a matter of where they end up. But the top four teams are going to stay there.
1: Right. I think that the only way that the 76 Sixers can leapfrog the Milwaukee Bucks is that they win more games because the Bucks own the tiebreakers. Um, I think they've split, but then when you look at the next tiebreaker, which is conference record, um, the 76 are 29-19, and the Bucks are 30-18. So I think that the tiebreakers will fall in their favor. Um, so unless the Bucks just, you know, can these last couple of games, um, and I think they're going to go into the playoffs as three.
0: Well, maybe the Bucks do have their next two games are well, they've got the Bulls and the Celtics. And the mm. Sixers have the Pacers, the and the Raptors. Mm. But then the Bucks close out against the Pistons and the Cavs. But they might not if their base, unless the seeding is up in the air. And even then, I think they might just end up throwing the game and resting their guys. We shall see. Same as same thing as we would do. And the Sixers, in the last day of regular season, they faced the Pistons. So there's... And it's just interesting. interesting mean, thing mean, But there. I mean,
1: what you have to realize is they just lost to the Pistons a few days ago. So that's not guaranteed to be a walkover win, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. And I'm not saying that they're going to win. What I meant right. was that. Oh, no. Maybe I they're, just wanted
1: to make sure we threw that out there. That's all.
0: So, very quickly... There's a Brooklyn situation, bro. I was just here.
1: about to say that's the most fascinating thing about the standings to me right now.
0: Because Brooklyn, they had a monumental game against Atlanta. And KD showed up. He came to play. But he one fifty five.
1: But the other guy didn't, and he didn't sh- And 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 you, you you have to talk about the Charlotte game here too. You have to talk about the Charlotte game here.
0: Yes. Well, you know what, since you're so excited, go ahead and eat, talk about it. I've been, I've been doing a lot of talking about that.
1: <laughs> Basically, man, in, in the two games against the two teams that are directly above them in the standings, Kyrie Irving didn't Kyrie Irving. I mean, if you look at the box score again, you'd be like, well, he did so- so. Well, no, he, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't as good as you need Kyrie Irving to be when you're fighting for what you're fighting for when you're playing two teams who directly impact your chances. So right now, what Brooklyn find themselves at 40 and 38, um, behind the Hawks and the Hornets for some unbeknownst reason, I'm thinking tiebreakers with the Hornets, um, and the Hawks just have a better record, you you have an opportunity where you're going to see Brooklyn play in both of those play-in games, man. And again, even though if you're And that's assuming
0: at, that they win the first game.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I say you have an opportunity to see. And that's what I'm saying. If you look at 7, 8, 9, and 10, Cleveland, the Hawks, the Hornets, and the Nets, because of the Nets' top-end talent, you would say the Nets are the better team. But when you're talking about matchups and a one-game situation, not a situation, but a one-game scenario, look, man, anything could happen. So, Almost. I, you know, I, I like that, man. I like that for the Nets. I love that for the Nets. I hope they get the brakes beat off of them.
0: Yeah. But right now, it's. I think everybody – listen, people will still be afraid of them because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Right. Rightfully so, but, Seth Curry's injured, and all of their Ben Simmons will not play. I'm no. betting on it; he's he, not going to play.
1: Oh, he will. I know. Well, it was announced today for certainly that he won't play in a play-in scenario. So you can't imagine that even if he does go for the remainder of the playoffs, it won't be that much, or he won't be Listen, able just, to be as impactful.
0: Just shut him down. Just announce he's not going to play.
1: Oh, that's a fact. I mean, he went to Brooklyn so that he could get his checks without having to go to arbitration
0: and he filed a grievance against the Sixers. Right,
1: exactly. He's going to have to arbitrate for that money, but he just wanted to get out of Philly so fast so he wouldn't have to file grievances for all of the money. That's all. He just wanted to go somewhere where they would willingly pay him the money. He never anticipated playing this season. But that's their problem.
0: So, Brooklyn and Charlotte are tied. 40-38. and The Nets are one game behind Atlanta for the A-seed. And they're two and a half games behind Cleveland. Now, there's a scenario here where well, Cleveland see, here's the thing, falls though, when, down.
1: When you're looking at the standings, Brooklyn is 10 for a reason. So there's a tiebreaker scenario. that put. I know they're tied record-wise, but when you're talking about these particular situations, playoff seating, I think you have to do yourself justice and do everything justice by saying that for some reason or another, and I'm assuming it has to be head-to-head because when you look at conference record, the nets are up on uh the hornets by four games like the nets are 28 and 21 in conference and the hornets are 24 and 24. so what that means is that win over the nets the other night gave the hornets the head-to-head tiebreaker which is the first tiebreaker i just think that's important when you're talking seat didn't want to cut you off brother
0: yeah yeah no so the hornets their next opponent is us i know both teams are going to play hard but dare i say that the hornets might come up with such a sense of urgency that there's a chance that we just that we lose
1: we've owned the hornets all year long too and we've owned yeah
0: i'm just saying there's a possibility for that oh
1: no i i totally understand and they can put up 140 on you and all they got to do is be clicking one night and you can lose that game i can totally see it i just don't think it so the
0: nets the nets have the rockets the
1: now, now that's unless we trying to say fuck the nets and we'd be like y'all going to get this one
0: yeah i um, but i think you know this team is too focused right now they're not going to be thinking about other teams that's a
1: fact that's a fact we ain't hiding from nobody that's a fact
0: yeah there's a massive and i mean massive game on friday for both the nets and the cavaliers because they face off in brooklyn if Brooklyn wins the next two games and Cleveland keeps dropping games like they have. Uh, Cleveland, they're, they're in the plane. Of course, they're going to be in it. There's a chance that they can leapfrog Cleveland. Now, Cleveland has Orlando who might ha- who might have some to play for. Usually, these teams, these bad teams, they usually sneak up on you at this time of the year because they're trying to build something, something for their next season.
1: They're either trying to also, you know stay, they also trying to either stay on that team or put some good film out for their next team, too.
0: Yeah. So, it's not a given that Cleveland beats Orlando, especially with all the injuries they've been suffering. Then they have the game against the Nets. Then, the Nets face the Pacers, a game I think they're going to win, and then the Cavs face the Bucks. Now, that one's a wild card because... If the Bucks are if the Bucs feel like there's a chance for the one seed, they might play their guys. And that spells trouble for Cleveland. And well, the Pacers, they're pretty much they're done.
1: So I don't I don't think the Bucks are gonna play their guys. Because if you ask me, we're gonna win two out of three of our last games. And I say that to say we're gonna beat the Hornets. There's a chance that we could lose to the Hawks. But even if we don't play our guys against Orlando, I still see our B squad beating them.
0: We need to go 2-1, right? Right. Yeah, I think we go 2-1. If, if like In order to secure the first seed just outright.
1: Absolutely. But again, bro, like I said, because I think our guys are actually going to play against Charlotte and Atlanta... I know we're going to win one of those games. And even if you're talking about our B squad, a squad that features Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Dwayne Dedman, Omer Yurtsevin, um, Haywa Highsmith, and the crew, I think that that team can still beat Orlando.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, this is a pretty long pod. Let's end it here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you got your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Pod.
1: And now that my man's got that out, where can they find you on social media, JJ?
0: They can find me on Twitter at JJRFRANBA. That's at NBA. Where can they find you, my friend?
1: They can find me on Twitter at k said k that's k underscore s a i d underscore q u e again k said k on Twitter and on Instagram that's i m k Series. i a m k c i r r u s again i m k Series on Instagram. Thanks, people.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening. The season's coming to an end, and we're gonna bring you a lot of playoff coverage as long as the Heat are in, are playing. So hopefully, it's gonna be a long while. So stick around. See you during the week. Bye bye.